0: Feel free to get rid of the uh, chimp sex stuff. I don't, I don't think. Uh... I'm going to put that to the top of the episode.
1: <laughs> That's, uh, that, the That's episode's going to be called Chimp Sex. Yeah. I'd like it if the episode was <laughs> called Feel Free to Remove the Chimp Sex Stuff and then there's no reference to the chimps in it at all.
2: <laughs> the Bugle. Audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, buglers, and welcome to issue 4,242 of the Bugle. Yes, that's issue 4242, 4, the issue which commemorates not only the brief English history of the 20th century, as taught in all schools in this country, covering only world wars and the result of football World Cup finals. <laughs> Fort two. 4-2. Uh, but also, it commemorates the answers to a four-question quiz, which used to be set to get you entry into the British civil service, in which the questions are: one, what building is more useful than a tent when, whilst being attacked by a medieval army? Two, complete the <laughs> following sentence: the film The Dig, starring some film stars, told the story in a kind of mostly true-filmy kind of false way of the discovery of a Saxon burial ship at Sutton. What? Uh, three. What word came to be used as an expression of carnal approbation, redolent of a patriarchal epoch? And four. What French pronoun was voted least necessary by the International Society of Rampant Egotists? <laughs> Fort. Who? For. Two. Okay, it was not necessarily a convoluted beginning, but here we are. Uh, this is the world we live in. I am uh, yet again, Andy Zaltzman for the 4,242nd time. (laughs) Reporting to you from the shed where dreams come to die... Sorry, uh, from the shed where I come to record The Bugle. It is the 3rd of October, 2022, and joining me this week from two corners of the known universe, we have, from two miles closer to the North Pole than I am, Nish Kumar. Uh, Hello, Nish.
1: Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Uh, Andy, I think you've done very well to get this far into the call without mentioning the fact that last week your team... Uh, absolutely mauled my team at Tuesday Football. It was a a shellacking. If it was a boxing match, the uh, fighter would have died. (laughs) It was absolutely, oh my God. You you absolutely, it it was brutal stuff. It was like when Ivan Drago destroys
2: Apollo Creed. Yeah. But, you know I'm used to I'm used to that Nish that basically you know, this is a conversation I have every week with whoever's on the opposition um, i I like to think that i I did my best to try and keep things a little more equal than they would otherwise have been um but you know there's only so much so much that can be done Nish yeah you did know, your best it's...
1: you were, you had a free kick in quite a good position uh, where you yeah. could have scored and you instead chose to pass the ball back to the goalkeeper <laughs>
2: Well, you know, when when you're in in front, you've got to manage your lead. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Also joining us uh, from across a very big, very salty pond in New York City, someone whom I have not thrashed at football in the last week. It's Hari Kondabolu. Hey, Andy. Hey, Nish. Hello,
0: Harry. How are you? You know what? It's funny. I knew you were going to ask me that question. Uh, (laughs) How are you? Yeah, so I I was trying to be prepared because I feel like I'm so negative whenever you ask me that question. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I've uh, prepped. Okay, right. Okay, all right. Here we go. Thank you, Andy. I'm doing well. (laughs) Well, There you go. Yeah, that's... that's, uh, You've nailed it. Yeah, that that, that, that was an evening's worth of work, but... (laughs) So, Andy, I know that, um, you know, when we were talking about doing this, you know, you ask us, what stories are we interested in? And and I sent you an email saying, I would like to do the story about the uh, about the about the asteroid that NASA destroyed. Yes. Right. You know, in case an asteroid ever hits the planet. Right. Because that's a really imminent threat. And so um, you said, well, we did that last week on The Bugle, and yeah. then I had to admit to you that I don't listen to The Bugle. <laughs> and I just want to tell you to clarify, uh, I don't listen to The Bugle not because I don't have time. Yeah. I don't listen to it because I choose not to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's good.
0: Oh, so that's... it is, isn't I just want you to know, like it okay. is,
2: it's an act of free will, okay, <laughs> rather than an act of basic, basic logistics, right? right. Okay. Oh, that's that's uh, that's good. That's good, that's, good to, that's, good, that's good to know it's reassuringly honest you know, this, <laughs> in this world of deceit um...
1: <laughs> what I love about that is Hurry uh, has uh, not only said that uh, on the podcast he's also put it in an email he's really putting his money <laughs> where his mouth is yeah. he's given us audio versions of it he's put it in writing he's making he wants it to be a matter of record that he does not listen to this podcast right?
2: but I should I mean it's cuts both ways Hari because you might not listen to the bugle but I still watch the Simpsons. Oh, despite, is despite, that what we're
0: going to do now?
2: Despite all your efforts,
0: is that what we're going to do? <laughs> why, why do you still? Why do you still watch? They haven't had Sideshow Bob on in so long, Andy. <laughs> I only watch the old episodes.
1: <laughs> this is a new record uh, for yes. the fastest time that I have laughed so much. I have farted on a viewer. <laughs>
2: just watch from the, before you ruined it Harry Those <laughs> Andy's does anybody
0: uh, re- else have
1: requests about cartoon characters that need to die anybody <laughs> Andy's old Twitter login name was at uh, ApuStan69 <laughs> or uh, and then you changed it from
0: thank you I'm back again <laughs>
2: Moving on. We are recording on the 3rd of October, meaning that tomorrow is the 4th of October, uh, as is often the case. Uh, and on the 4th of October in 1582, the new Gregorian calendar was introduced by Pope Gregory the XIII. Um, it really stuck it to the old Julian calendar, which it turned out was wrong, which is not a great quality for a calendar in uh, my book, uh, as well as shifting... Um, the global day, about, it was almost, I think it was 10, 10 to 14 days, I can't quite remember. It, it, it varied depending on when people adopted. The new Gregorian calendar, but they also stripped out various unnecessary extra days that used to be in the calendar, including the 46th of August, which always caused havoc in the middle of September. Uh, They also got rid of Monday, Monday, a double day added intermittently by the Holy Roman Emperor to try to improve economic productivity, uh, commemorated in song, of course, by the Mamas and the Papas, who, of course, began life as Mother Superior and the Popes. Uh, And they also got rid of uh, (laughs) St. Flabbard's Day. Uh, St. Flabard's Day was a 19 minute day every two and a half years, introduced by Pope Emeticus III in the year 435 after he lost a bet with a cardinal about whether he could uh, cross the river Tiber using two swans as magic shoes without getting his cassock wet. Um, in the bin this week, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, architecture. Uh, it's world architecture, Dave. Either of you uh, done any architecture today to, to mark this, this great occasion?
1: Uh, I uh, made and subsequently destroyed a toilet roll pyramid. Does that count?
2: I think that does count, yeah.
1: I was,
0: uh, I was drawing a little doodle of a cube while you were talking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ, Harry. Okay, I know That's you don't big. listen to the podcast, but you have to listen to it while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so in the bin this week, our special architecture section, we look back at some of the most famous buildings ever architectured, is that the word, and ask... Are they really all that? (laughs) What could have been done better with the so-called masterpieces of the architectural arts, including the Taj Mahal, the mausoleum built by Shah Jahan as a post-death romantic gesture for his favourite wife, Mumtaz Mahal? But would it have been better if the roof could open up every evening to reveal a big pink heart to show that he really loved her? (laughs) Also, how about a... helipad. Uh, also, the Parthenon, too many pillars. Some flat walls either side would have allowed for advertising hoardings, which would have brought in valuable extra revenue for fixing the f***ing roof when some idiots blew it up <laughs> by The Great Pyramid of Giza may well have been the tallest man-made structure in the world for almost 4,000 years, but wouldn't it have been better if it had been a little bit more useful? Very inefficient use of space. If it had been built in a non-pyramidical way as a single block and with separate floors instead of massive great blocks all the way up, it could have been a car park with space for 111,000 cars or, or thereabouts. <laughs> Um, and you'd have still had space to bury a few pharaohs in special boxes. Uh, the Empire State Building, obviously uh, anti-giant primate knitting would have, would have been handy, rather than the uh, anti-giant flying terrapin spike on the top that the architects plump for, for reasons best known to themselves. But the Empire State <laughs> Building would also surely have been improved by a set of casters, so it could have been wheeled around New York to different parts of the city just to keep things fresh. Uh, the Sydney Opera House should have been a drive through and St Paul's Cathedral... <laughs> Well, its low prayer success percentage is thought to be down to its famous dome being covered in lead, a metal notoriously impermeable, <laughs> for, to all but the most fervid of divine imprecations. A retractable perspex roof would have resulted in an estimated increase of 37.6% in terms of the number of prayers getting through to God, which could have resulted in neither world war happening, the establishment of an eternally peaceful world, and the end to all diseases. <laughs> any, uh, any other you know, great buildings you think are massively overrated? Well, there there were two, but I feel like it's in,
0: inappropriate for me to say it. Ah!
2: Right. Okay, I mean, it's, it's,
0: it's, why inappropriate? <laughs> Come on, Andy. <laughs> Come on, Andy. The one thing they said was never to forget. Are you serious? <laughs> that was the one request. Was never forgetting. You forgot. Come on, man. I
1: think the Shard in London is an absolute oh, bag yeah. of shit.
2: Right. But, well, what's uh, your beef with the Shard?
1: I don't know. It just, uh, it, I, I, I feel like, I, I just feel like it, it, it. London is not really a skyscraper city, and it does feel a bit like someone looked at the London skyline and then, in the most infantile manner possible, drew a dick on it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That, that's how skyscraper architecture works, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But New York is, to be fair to it, a city of penises. It's a city <laughs> of huge metal and glass penises. Where, whereas <laughs> London is much more of a sort of... It's not it's not that, that penis-heavy. Now they've got the gherkin, and now they've got the shard. Yeah. And, you know, they don't even have the decency to make them phallically accurate and have them leaning violently to one side. At least the Pisa <laughs> fellow's committed to the penis. <laughs> I wonder—is it because like England like
0: used to own everything and now they don't, and so it's like, well, then if we're not gonna other
1: countries, we're gonna the sky. Is that, <laughs> <what it> is? <laughs> is that what it is? The, the sky the technically remains British. Hurry! I don't know if you've heard <laughs> the expression "the sun never set on the British Empire." That's because we own the sky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're, you're holding the sun hostage with giant penises. <laughs> Excuse me while I f the sky was, of course, um <laughs> Hendrix, right? That way he was training as an architect.
0: Thank <laughs> 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 While I f the sky.
2: <laughs> Right, that section in the bin. Top story this week, democracy around the world. Well, democracy, of course, uh, is the light of freedom that illuminates the hearts of all humanity, but which unfortunately flickers on and off, doesn't really work that well, is a bit risky, hasn't been properly maintained and keeps giving us very painful electric shocks. It's been a weird time for democracy uh, around around the world. I was just looking at the um, Al Jazeera website and they had various podcasts listed on their podcast page. Uh, Bosnia elections preview, which um, uh, the subhead was fears of genocide and rising nationalism. Italy elects far-right leader. What now? And after months of violence, Brazil to elect n- new leader. I mean, it doesn't show democracy in a great light, Nish. what's uh, What have been your highlights of the uh, global election season that we've been uh, going through recently? The world has caught election fever. Uh, and unfortunately,
1: it may well be terminal. Uh, because... <laughs> Some of the uh, candidates that are being thrown up, a couple of great historic favourites uh, of the Bugle uh, featured pretty heavily in this, uh, in this election season because uh, one of the uh, key members of uh, Giorgia Maloney's uh, new uh, coalition uh, is, of course, Silvio Berlusconi. Now, I, I did listen to the show uh, last week and I do know <laughs> that there was a reference to Berlusconi and his party, uh, which I believe the literal translation for their slogan is Come on, Italy. And I did think it was a remiss for everyone, given that you were talking about Silvio Berlusconi, not to mention the fact that that is both the name of his political party and his ultimate ambition as a man. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, a part of a, a coalition that's being led by uh, Georgia Maloney, who, uh, and uh, I mean, is not as not fascist as one would like. <laughs> if I may uh, translate into English a, a very common Italian saying my mother we've got a problem <laughs> <laughs> i mean she does go by mussolina
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's she's the leader of a party called brothers of italy already a bad right. start it's already a bad start but their logo uh, is actually a logo uh, that has been used in the past by the italian fascist party and what i would say is a change of like if you're, not, if you're not a fascist, I would say change your f-ing logo. It's a little bit like someone in 2022 sporting a toothbrush moustache and saying, that's just how I wave. I like to keep my hand still when I wave.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge Charlie Chaplin fan. What's the issue here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> Chaplin fans around the world have denied their opportunity to dress like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> There's no Charlie Chaplin
1: cosplay. Yeah, it is Halloween coming up. And as always, every Halloween, I would say this. If you're dressing as Charlie Chaplin, keep the hat on. Keep the hat on at all times. Like, simply do not care how hot your head is. You keep
0: the f***ing hat on. <laughs> the Italian, you know, lead the... the... Is it, is it, what was her name again? Georgia Maloney. Georgia Maloney. Wait, that that doesn't sound particularly Italian. Is she an <laughs> immigrant? <laughs> is she gonna is she gonna throw herself out of Italy? Is that how hardcore she is? Is she gonna deport herself? She claims that that refugees bring crime and like there's a big like anti-immigrant sentiment, especially anti-refugees, and it's it's just weird to claim that it's refugees that are bringing crime to italy is her issue with unorganized crime is that what she doesn't like (laughs) does she not like the the lack of hierarchical structure
2: is that what the issue is it's also you know to to complain about you know immigrants bringing crime to italy loses a bit of weight when standing behind you is the orange faced (laughs) Specter of Silvio Berlusconi <laughs> <laughs> rather that. Uh, a man whose blood type is bribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Elsewhere in the democratic world, uh, the Brazilian presidential election has taken place, and it is heading for a replay or uh, round two after uh, the former president Lula da Silva failed to pass the fifty percent mark needed. To win round one outright, uh, leaving uh, incumbent power tool, uh, Jair Bolsonaro, to contest round two. Um, it was about a 48% to 43% in, in round one. I think I'm on safe ground in saying that most Bugle fans are probably not dyed-in-the-wool Bolsonaro supporters. Um, <laughs> his brand has been somewhat tainted by himself over many years. Uh, critics say that he's damaged human rights, the environment tree counts, science funding, health and everything else in Brazil but some things have gone up under the last four years in which he's been president such as the number of trees illegally hacked to pieces the amount of hate crime, um, the incidences of presidents being racist towards indigenous groups and the incidences of presidents being racist towards everyone else as well so uh, I mean this was, it was a little disappointing that this, that this wasn't a, like a clean death for the Bolsonaro regime it's definitely, we, we,
1: we, I think everybody was hoping for, and I do believe this is a uh, political phrase that dates back to uh, the ancient Greeks. Uh, everyone was hoping for a wipeless shit of an election. <laughs> That's what everybody was hoping. We were hoping that it was just going to be clean and we could pop our trousers and pants straight back on. Uh, sadly, uh, wiping the shit stain of Jair <laughs> Bolsonaro off. Uh, the anus of global politics is going to take a few more goes and potentially a full-on Japanese toilets worth of washing. It, it, it's it, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. Bolsonaro has been uh, fighting uh, the election, interrupting his normal fight, uh, which is with uh, the novel coronavirus, which he seems to be in a constant loop of catching and recovering from and catching and recovering from. At this point, I think Bolsonaro has had so much COVID, he now technically is a Wuhan bat. Uh, but <laughs> He, he was in a contest uh, with uh, President Lula, who was, uh, Lula da Silva, who was uh, the former president uh, and uh, mysteriously uh, in 2018 was barred from running uh, on some uh, corruption charges that may or may not have been trumped up by Bolsonaro. Um, so there was a first round election, uh, which they were hoping for, as we say, a kind of uh, a kind of clean victory. Uh, but in, in the event, Lula got 48.3% of the vote. Bolsonaro received 43.3% of the vote, which now means it has to go to a second. runoff uh, between uh, Lula da Silva uh, and Bolsonaro Uh, and uh, Lula when asked about it because there's a huge amount of disappointment in socially progressive circles in Brazil who are hoping uh, for the win to happen, uh, Lula said this we're going to win these elections, this for us is simply extra time, I feel great hope that this election will be decided tomorrow but if it isn't we'll have to behave like a football team when a match goes to extra time, we'll rest for 15 minutes then we'll get back out on the pitch to score the goals we didn't score in normal time, that is a man who knows how to communicate with Brazilians, (laughs) you have to explain everything in terms of football and the nation will understand what he's talking about um but yes i listen all we can do uh, is hope that bolsonaro is defeated first by lula da silva and secondly by coronavirus uh, because that is one fight i think one of the few occasions where we're all rooting for covid to finally get his man after that brilliant analysis
0: all i can add is jale lula Halyaloo-la. You like that, Andy? You, you, you like you Impressive. like destroying your friend's comedy? You like that? <laughs> I used to not say things like that, Andy. That wasn't my style, but you like that I thought of that and I said it? Does it make you feel good?
2: Makes me feel great. Makes me feel great. Makes me feel like... Also, I've, I forgot to I've been, add... I've been an influencer. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Anish, while you were talking, I thought of uh, the Wuhan bat ain't nothing to f- with the Wuhan bad beans. <laughs> nothing to f with.
1: <laughs> You're, it's interesting to see you move into a song parody sort of. you like the brown weird owl. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bolsonaro has claimed that only God can remove him from office. <laughs> Showing a, a bit of a misunderstanding of uh, the Brazilian constitution, I believe. But it would seem quite a good time, would it not, for the former world number one ranked deity to come out of retirement and um, uh, and and get rid of that, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't that not be? Could that not save? Could that not save Christianity around the world if he did, you know, remove Bolsonaro from office and prove his continued existence? Um, you know. A, I'd be, I mean, I'm, I might even be tempted to have a go at, have a go at it and uh, finish the jumping of ships. <laughs> Several
1: of his supporters uh, actually won uh, congressional elections and elections of state governors, including uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Pazzuolo, uh who is the former health minister in the Bolsonaro administration and who was the health minister who oversaw a pandemic response in Brazil that killed 685,000 people. I mean, <laughs> he, he may as well have just, I mean it it's a bit like electing somebody to, as transport minister literally after they've just wrapped their car around a f-ing street lamp <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's an unreal state of affairs
2: never happened in this country of course um <laughs> bolsonaro does have um you know still a surprising amount of support for 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 those who who, who look on from outside as is often the way with, uh, uh, with with politics the bbc um uh, in in a report on their website Um, had interviewed um, someone who was described only as a parachutist. I don't know if that was an amateur (laughs) or professional parachutist. But this parachutist said, there's going to be beautiful blood spilled in this city. I'm prepared to kill all the socialists and communists in the world to ensure that Bolsonaro stays in power. Now, I don't know how you go from parachuting (laughs) to genocide. I mean that seems that that does seem I mean it, for want of a better term a big leap. Um How dare you? Um, also support from uh, some of Brazil's leading footballers, yeah, including Neymar, the prancing showboater currently costing shitloads of money in the French league. Undoubtedly one of the finest players of his generation, also surprisingly good in a one-minute cameo appearance as a monk in the hit Spanish TV series Money Heist. But he (laughs) destroyed all that work by expressing support for Bolsonaro. I guess on the grounds that when you're playing in a front three with Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi, you don't want a rainforest getting in the way. So you're going to vote (laughs) for whoever's going to destroy those rainforests. And um, uh, Ronaldinho also, in 2018, he backed Bolsonaro. Now, Ronaldinho was one of the most joyously brilliant sports stars there has ever been. He played football as if trying to cure the world of boredom and sadness with his magical visionary exuberance and otherworldly skills. But politically, he votes like a 1980s British centre-back going in (laughs) studs-up knee-high on an opponent before (laughs) gloving in his face (laughs) and nutting the referee, which is, of course, only a yellow card in those days. It's going to be sad, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, Andy,
1: if there is one thing, how could we have been let down by professional footballers. (laughs) A group of people that have been known for nothing other than their strict moral code.
2: (laughs) Just to me, it was finding out Ronaldinho. It was had supported Bolsonaro. It's a bit like finding out the Roger Federer is scamming pensioners out of their savings by posing as a roof inspector, and telling them <laughs> yeah. they had to pay him to put new Grim Reaper-resistant tiles on their roofs. Or the only reason Alison Felix learned to run so fast was that shows she could chase down sleigh and eat rhinoceroses, not for nutrition. But for fun, you know, that's that's why sport and politics shouldn't mix. But I, it'll I, only end up upsetting you. I should
0: just let you both know that while you were talking about soccer, I drew a rhombus and a trapezoid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Neymar is uh, also uh, the sound that your racist uncle makes when they're trying to frustratedly remember my name. Oh, it's that guy. I can't stand him. The woke guy, Neymar!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Elsewhere in the uh, democratic world, and the word democratic is in the largest available, ironic inverted commas there, um, well, Vladimir Putin has had a huge democratic success in the uh, Ukraine uh, referendums, widely written off as sham referendums 99.2 percent of people in the donetsk region voted to join russia now that is a lot of percent at 99.2 <laughs> percent let's put that in in context that is the same percentage as people who agree with the proposition that the earth a moves around the sun and b isn't flat it's the same percentage as people who think it's rude to use a chainsaw at a funeral Uh, it's the same percentage of people who prefer a sandwich to lunch rather than the bucket of sick poured on their heads. (laughs) Uh, It's the same percentage as people who didn't vote for Liz Truss to be Prime Minister. Um, I'm joking, of (laughs) course, that was more like 99.87%. And it's the same percentage as people who think David Attenborough should be king of Britain instead of at Chucky three time. So it, it seems... A suspiciously large number, does it not? Yeah, I mean, the margin for error, I believe,
1: is 200%. (laughs) (laughs) Amazingly, it's a mathematical impossibility. But the margin for error in the referendums held by Putin, I believe, is a sweet 200%. Putin has said that there are four uh, new regions of Russia. uh, And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big claim. Vladimir Putin is starting to be like an annoying work colleague who just writes their name on your lunch in the work fridge. (laughs) But more so, arguably. But more so, yeah. And then when you say, that's actually my spaghetti bolognese, they say, I will nuke you.
0: (laughs) I mean, the referendums, you know, obviously they're theatre, but it's part of a, a larger strategy for this annexation. Of these territories, uh, he's trying to make himself look less, and the technical term I believe is Hitlery. <laughs> there were people going door to door taking votes, and they were accompanied by soldiers, and I believe things like this were said Don't mind the soldier, he's just loading his gun. His <laughs> gun's name is Ukraine. Anyway, do you want Russia or Ukraine? <laughs>
2: But in, in another blow for Putin's fragile self-esteem, no sooner had uh, he sham-voted four parts of Ukraine into Russia than uh, Ukraine instantly started taking back some of those those parts that he'd he'd claimed now as Russia, and the city of Lyman in the De- Donetsk region was uh, taken back, which must have been a real disappointment to the 99.2% of people who'd voted to join, <laughs> join Russia. It must have been absolutely gutted. I've also actually just got the results of the uh, referendum that the Bugle has run on who owns the Kamchatka Peninsula uh, in the extreme east uh, of Russia. And a bit of a surprise, 101.3% of people have voted to be owned by Hari Kondabolu. Um, So, uh, Hari, you're now entitled to use the nuclear deterrent I know you possess to take control of the uh, 777-mile-long dangly bit. Of um, formerly Russian land north of Japan. So it must be, uh, must be quite exciting for you. I'm all about those dangly bits.
0: <laughs>
2: Family show. <laughs> also, the, uh, the, the mobilization, I think we, we talked about last week as well, that's still not going too well after thousands of the uh, people that had been mobilized had to be sent home after being deemed unfit for duty. Um, it, it's. I mean, it's really not going tremendously well from a Russian point, of view. and particularly given that all they needed to do to be fit for duty was to stand around waiting to be killed. They so <laughs> fall short of the fitness requirement for that. Does show the trouble Russia is in.
0: Oh God! I mean, oh, that was arguably darker
1: than that nine eleven joke I <laughs> made <date> earlier. <laughs> It's absolutely not great for the for the war effort for Russia that their soldiers are not fit to be cannon fodder. That is, <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely, that is bleak as <laughs> that is so, hey, what is, What's going on in Russia? It really sounds like they're all living like me over there.
2: <laughs> also, a story came out uh, today that um, it turns out that having bogusly annexed four territories on the back of its bogus result in bogus referendums, yeah. Uh, reports are suggesting that Russia now doesn't know exactly what bits <laughs> it itself has claimed to have taken over. Which is, I mean, it's just this is very confusing. We live on a planet which, not unreasonably, has come to expect a bare basic level of administrative competence from its lunatic imperialist despots. <laughs> and for Putin to be falling short of that, but I just don't know where we stand as a species anymore. It's very confusing.
1: <laughs> I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. The the Botox has migrated to the guy's brain, and so I don't think that we can. I really don't think we can ascribe any rational. The, the US defense secretary uh, actually said this week, uh, Putin's threat to go nuclear may not be a bluff. And you're like, yeah, no shit, American Sherlock. That is the, the guy will literally do any. I mean, there's there's fragile masculinity, and then there is I will nuke you if you don't be my friend. <laughs>
2: UK in meltdown news now, and well, picking up on the um, the uh, government's emergency uh, mini budget last week uh, that that uh, that we, we talked about, which didn't go down hugely well with, um, for example, anyone or anything. Um, basically, it was <laughs> criticised by everyone from a pigeon that left some extremely satirical deposits on the roof of 10 Downing Street to the international currency markets from. Old people are randomly in- interviewed in the streets for reasons best known to TV news programmes to usually slavishly Tory loyal newspapers. It was criticised from everyone from former footballer Gary Neville to the International Monetary Fund, which is basically the whole spectrum of humanity. It's been slammed by Labour. It was slammed by many Conservatives. Um, and uh, it's been a source of rancour, discord and above all befuddlement that a leadership duo of Liz Trust and Chancellor of the Checker Quasi Quateng with absolutely no mandate whatsoever should try to bludgeon through a package of measures which even their own supporters thought were stark f***ing raving mad, as a result of which Truss's honeymoon period as Prime Minister turns out to have been the two weeks of national mourning when she couldn't f***ing say anything. (laughs) And... (laughs) The honeymoon period was the Queen dying? (laughs) Basically the shortest honeymoon period since Henry VIII said, shall I tell you what happened to my last wife? (laughs) (laughs) Already tanking approval ratings are now below those of her predecessor, Boris Johnson, who, lest we forget, was a deceitful megalomaniac hounded out of office by his own team. This is how bad it's gone down. They've now had to um, pull back on their plan to cut the top rate of income tax. Uh, The 45% bracket of income tax are going to come down to 40%, as demanded by absolutely no one, not even the richest, most selfish people in the country had been demanding that. Larry Summers, former US Treasury Secretary, said Britain will be remembered for having pursued the worst macroeconomic policies of any major country in a long time. I'd like to take issue with this. Let's have a bit of British boosterism here. They're not the worst macroeconomic policies. They are the most efficiently bad macroeconomic policies. Sub incompetences take months or even years to emerge. These were working in seconds, <laughs> in seconds before the global markets tanked. The pound, um, Nish. It's been a very strange time for for British politics to have this this new unwanted regime, essentially that Tory MPs didn't want. Less than half of Tory membership voted for now trying to drill through some of the most radical uh, (coughs) and poorly thought through economic policies we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, they're, they're trying to um, uh, shrink the size of the state in the same way that you can shrink a marshmallow if you drop it into a vat of hydrochloric acid. It's been a <laughs> catastrophic week and a half uh, in Britain. Uh, it started, uh, as, as you say, Andy, with uh, Quasi quarteg's uh, mini budget, um, which he was not actually required to do, uh, but uh, he opened his mouth uh, and announced £45 billion worth of tax cuts, which led the pound to fall to a record low and forced the Bank of England to make an emergency £65 billion Pound intervention so that people's pension funds didn't collapse. Now, listeners of the podcast, which obviously doesn't include hurry will know <laughs> that I have had some bad gigs. But so far, even I have not had a gig so bad that I've tanked the economy of an entire fucking <laughs> country. Quateng, <laughs> I salute you as one terrible public speaker to another. The run on the pound caused a catastrophic fall uh, in the UK's uh, UK government bonds. Uh, which a lot of people's pension funds uh, are tied up in, uh, in something called the guilt market, which, side note, is also my nickname for my mother. Say what you will about her, the woman (laughs) is an absolute (laughs) guilt market. Uh, and uh, they, they over the weekend, they consistently said that they would not be going back on these plans. They would not U-turn on them. They sent uh, various, various members of their party uh, out to the absolute uh, slaughter. Uh, Simon Clark uh, who is the uh, secretary for Leveling Up now, uh, for Global Buglers, uh, Leveling Up is something that Boris Johnson kept saying that he was going to do. Uh, the idea being, he was the government was going to act to uh, deal with imbalances and regional inequality that they were going to level up uh, the regions of the UK. But uh, leveling up, it turned out, was the same as one of Boris Johnson's wedding vows. He said it out loud, he had no interest in following it through. <laughs> uh, the leveling up minister is now a man called Simon Clark, who has the face and manner of someone who has killed and will again. Uh, he said that Liz Truss would not at any point go back on what she was doing. And he said that uh, the intu- the Liz Truss's plan was to pull Britain out of its fool's paradise inadvertently perfectly describing Britain in the last 12 years as run by his <laughs> party of absolute wankers. But anyway, <laughs> Liz Truss's robotic speaking style also does not help this, given that she seems like a Terminator who's been sent back in time to assassinate the British economy. But after all of this, they have now done a U-turn. Kwasi Kwarteng uh, announced this afternoon they'll be getting rid of the 45p rate of tax. Now, that might seem like a good thing, but they're not reversing their corporation tax cuts, which are estimated to cost the UK Treasury £18 billion. Coincidentally, the party has also suggested they're going to need to make £18 billion in cuts to government spending. So it's very much robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, where Paul is an oligarch with several private jets. Uh, And Kwasi (laughs) Kwarteng said today, we get it and we have listened. But clearly, they don't get it, and they haven't listened, because neither Kwanteng nor Liz Truss has jumped up their own arse while going
2: and f***ing themselves. <laughs> oh, that payoff is well worth that. <laughs> Kwanteng was also uh, facing some criticism that he'd attended a champagne reception with <laughs> City of London yeah. Financiers. On the day that he'd released the mini-budget that instantly caused mayhem in the economy and he said with hindsight it probably wasn't the best day to go. Now I don't think I don't think hindsight should come into that should it when you are in charge of the national
0: economy. I mean
2: a bit of foresight uh, would be nice. He described the reception as just a Tory party event and said, we have party events all the time, which in many ways makes it worse that yeah. essentially <laughs> the Chancellor of the Exchequer is being paraded into events to be, <laughs> to be, I don't know, I don't know, manipulated, nudged in the direction that uh, suits the uh, various donors of, uh, of the party.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two interesting things about that story. One, uh, Andy, is obviously you've used Tory party event, which is, of course, the collective noun of... It's a Tory party event, of course. Uh, and also, what's really even worse about that financier's reception is that as soon as it finished, there are reports, I don't know if this is true, but there are reports that several of the hedge fund managers who were present at the champagne reception described him as a useful idiot. <laughs> they called Quasi Quarteng a useful idiot. He went and had champagne with them. So he like presumably was like, cheers, guys. You're my best friends. And in their heads, they were thinking, you're a f- Moron, and we are about to exploit the shit out of you.
2: Yeah, there are various other allegations of which more may emerge in in, in coming weeks about other behind-the-scenes meetings. But uh, Liz Truss said, had uh, said in an interview recently, "I am a thrill seeker." <laughs> now, to me, that is not a good quality if you are prime minister. I think you might be in the wrong job if you are a thrill seeker. And unable to s- not to say you're a thrill seeker, which is maybe even more important. That's not scream if you want to go faster, and not the words you want to hear from a fucking prime minister. <laughs> or even go on eat the strange looking unidentified fungus. thrill thrill thrills- seeker. <laughs> as Prime Minister, is only a few logical steps away from snakes in schools justified on the grounds that there are some problems in education, something needs to be done about them, putting snakes in schools is doing something, and it gets a discernible reaction in the media. That is not the logic you want... From your leaders, <laughs> of course, we should emphasize this is early days, and just because the major financial institutions of this country and the rest of the world think it's a total f-ing catastrophe, it doesn't mean that it necessarily, definitely, absolutely 100% is. It, it might just be a 99% yeah. partial catastrophe. We will see. We will see. <laughs> what remains totally baffling about this is how any government could look at the state of the nation that our non moving trains are massive nhs waiting lists or inadequate housing or turd ridden beaches and think we need a lot less money coming in to pay for all this yeah that, that's yeah. the the baffling thing uh, about i mean i don't know if the logic is in cutting the top rate of tax is to cut tax to invent incentivize people to earn more uh or just have completely different lives i don't know if, i mean that seems to be w- what they were thinking of But this left the markets vulnerable to market speculators, who then earn shed loads betting against the British economy, and they will therefore pay more tax. That will make up. I I, I mean, that's the only economic logic (laughs) I can find. It's been described as clown show economics. But I've been thinking about this, and I think clowns would do a better job economically. (laughs) On on transport, for example. They've got very environmentally friendly car sharing schemes. that Actually, bring a lot of progress. I think to our to our transport transport yeah. system. Um, you know, I think they, you know, they, they 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 convey emotion in a, in a in a much more direct, honest. way. I mean, I would have. I think I would vote for a government of clowns if that was an option now. I think right the,
1: the only way that what they've done in the last few weeks has in common with the cloud show is that the sound of a penny whistle is the perfect impression of the
2: value <laughs> of the pound in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the most terrifying words uh, came from the Prime Minister herself, Liz Truss, who said, I have to do what I believe is right for the country. And she seems determined to see that harrowing threat through. <laughs> you can only come to the conclusion that Liz Truss has run the numbers and decided the best
1: thing for everybody is if Britain ends <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we will have exclusive coverage of the descent of the United Kingdom into a literal smouldering pile of nothingness over the next uh, zero to thirty years <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Bugle, which I hope you found illuminating and insightful. (laughs) Don't forget, there are a series of Bugle 15th anniversary live shows coming up. London on the 15th which is sold out, and the 22nd at the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, Birmingham on the 27th of October. Glasgow on the 30th of October. Two shows uh, featuring Nish Kumar and making Bugle debut, uh, Josie Long. Uh, Woo-woo! second show is sold out. There's an earlier show that I think is on at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Details on the internet and Dublin on the 3rd of November. That will feature Chris Addison. Um, We'll also have Alice on the big screen and various other uh, guests. Birmingham is going to be Neil Delamere and Helen Zaltzman. Do buy tickets to all of those shows. Also, don't forget to listen to our sister publication, The Gargle, out every Friday, hosted by uh, Alice Fraser. This week featuring Josh Gondelman and Eleanor Morton. And don't forget, also, I'm doing some uh, stand-up shows in November. Saturdays for high shows uh, in uh, sort of the middle of the month in six different places. uh, Details, if you ask nicely. Uh, Anything uh, to plug? I'm on tour
0: again. I'm going to be playing over the course of the next few weeks. Iowa, Nebraska, Tennessee, Georgia, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. So this may be my last time on the bugle <laughs>
1: have,
0: you a, have you become a country music act <laughs> I, i'm a thrill seeker what can i say i'm a thrill seeker Are
1: you basing your tour schedule on the lyrics to johnny cash's i've been everywhere <laughs> i will be uh, at the uh, athenaeum uh, in melbourne australia on the 28th and 29th of november 30th of uh, November and the 1st of December at the Opera House. And if you live in London, I'll be doing shows uh, at the Bill Murray pub uh, from the uh, 10th of October until the uh, 16th of October. So you can, there are various times, you all have
2: Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was some outstanding plugging. Some of our best work. <laughs> we will now... Uh, Play you out whilst you buy your tickets to all of the aforementioned shows uh, with more entries on the Bugle Voluntary Subscribers Wall of Fame. To join the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme to keep this show free, flourishing, and independent, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button to give a one-off or recurring contribution of any size you see fit. Until next week,
0: goodbye. Hey Andy, can I just just add one thing? This was the most fun Bugle I've ever been a part of, and... Are they all this funny? Because I might, I might start listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're not all funny. Sometimes they have really whinging Americans on who Just like, hang on. <laughs> 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 well, no, <they're>
1: <laughs> Hari Kondabolu, long-time bugler, first-time, first-time listener. listener. <laughs>
0: Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Joining the Bugle Wall of Fame this week, and being attributed with great achievements from history, are... Bat Wench, who was an instrumental figure in the early development of avant-garde French cinema, aided by fellow Volunto subscriber Michael Rudge, who invented the director's chair, prior to which film directors stood on a milk crate or log and lacked any real authority. Emma Walker taught Jane Austen everything she needed to know about how to write a novel, but never makes a fuss about it. And Martin Hopkins was basically Pythagoras in all but reality, what with all his theorems and stuff like that. Mark Komorinsky discovered seven of the 26 letters of the still popular Latin alphabet, and Sam Gordon secretly recorded the percussion tracks on a large range of highly influential jazz albums. Sarah Schonbrunn personally built the Centre Court at Wimbledon in under three weeks for a school project, and it was on Gainol Flora's suggestion that Alexander Graham Bell tried inventing a device for holding long-distance conversations. Mia Henderson broke a peace deal between Canada and Bhutan that has resulted now in more than a century without a single conflict between those two nations, and C.C. French was the first person to calculate that volcanic eruptions might be caused by science and stuff like that rather than the furious intervention of a very angry deity. Thank you to all of our voluntary subscribers. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Listen
0: now.